Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of From the Lighthouse. I'm Stephanie and I'm here once again with my co-host Michelle. Hi Stephanie. Uh, It's just us today. We wanted to talk about this book because we both love it a lot. Um, So we're going to talk today about um, Jean Reese's Wide Sagasso Sea, her 1969 novel. I think it's 1969. I should have probably checked that before we did this. Um, So Michelle, what, what draws you to this book? Why do you love this novel so much? Look, I think uh, it, it, it happens for me from the very first um, paragraph. Uh, it, there's a strangeness to it. And Jean Reese has produced this really slender, um, you know, this really slender book that is so profoundly um, dense. I mean, it packs a punch, I think. And the strangeness, I think, happens on so many levels. We've got that language that is—it's—it's—it's not—it's—it's not—it's not a sort of a Jamaican. It's—it's—it's a—it's a sort of almost like the syntax is—is getting bent or or refracted, so that things are sort of mirror images of each other, but not quite. And I think I'm thinking about that opening line, you know, pretty is is pretty self, mm. you know. And, and so you've got, and there's another one where you've got uh, sort of all, all the way through, you've got this really sort of particular um, sort of linguistic feature that, that, that feels like some sort of um, infinite regress where you just get pulled into uh, this prelapsarian world Um and it 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 is it, 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 it I, I I love books that just immerse me entirely in 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 their language, um, in in their world, in their imagery, um, and and then in that devastating sense that I think only the Gothic really does um, that sense of, of of absolute foreboding right from the start. Yeah, it's such a beautifully evocative book. Whenever I read it, I, I feel hot. Mm. Like you feel like you're in Jamaica. You feel like you're you're hot. That it's it's sunny and it's a little bit too sunny and everything's a little bit overripe and everything's a little bit yeah, as you say, foreboding. You, you're just absolutely immersed in this in this world that the Reese creates, and it's such a beautiful kind of linguistic challenge. The book I find it hard to describe the language that she uses I think that you're right it is a little bit like the syntax is bent there's there's a such a it's almost a stream of consciousness um, kind of modernist approach to language but it's it's not quite that either it's 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 funny it's hard to put your finger on how language is actually being used but it creates such a sense of place and such a sense of of this beautiful environment but that is completely claustrophobic as well look I, you know and, and I think it's that Density and that resistance that the language um, sort of poses, because you you you're always um, you, you're always, I guess, negotiating that that sort of that that bent syntax. You're always negotiating um, the, the 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 indirectness of of everything sort of filtered through this first person narration which you know I can still remember the shock mm. that I got at the start of that second section yes viscerally as I realized that I am no longer in and I think that's the actual that's that's sort of the impact it's the sense that there's something internal 
about being in those um, in that first section, so that when I'm mm. suddenly inside um, Rochester, seeing everything's filtered through his perspective, I have this horrible feeling as though my skin's been peeled off me, mm. and I'm 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 seeing things through a world view, feeling things through a sort of a, a vessel that I don't want to be part of. Yeah. Um, because I guess my my uh, sort of affinity is, is is absolutely with Antoinette. Yeah, it is a shock, and I mean, there, there's no sort of framing or indication that you're just going to to, to be plucked out of her head and into somebody else's. So it is a bit of a kind of um, shock to the system that you're in this in this different kind of focalization. And and he is such an appalling character in this book. I mean, it's it's quite a um, an odd. Not an odd, but it's 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 a bit of cognitive dissonance for those of us who grew up on on Jane Eyre, because of course we should say that White's I guess OC is a is a reimagining of of Jane Eyre in that it forms a sort of imaginative prequel to Jane Eyre, and so if you've read you know Jane Eyre and you're used to this kind of idealized romantic picture of of Mr. Rochester, and then all of a sudden you're here in in his head in White's I guess OC, and it's so appalling, and you, you don't want to be in his head you want to be back with Antoinette and it, it makes you see both novels in a very different way I think yeah I mean I, I think this is one of the, the features of the book that that um, enthralls me it's the fact that she generates this effect of sort of accretion you mm. know sort of things add up you know sort of layers upon layers because you, you bring with you um, all of your all of your responses to Jane Eyre and you you all of your underlying sort of convictions about you know sort of romance and and, and love and um, you know sort of that very um, I guess that 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 very English um, world view yeah. uh, where there's order and marriage and things happen. Um, according to a formula and that with a structure um, and yet I think somehow or another Rhys manages to generate a, a sort of a, an organic structure you know because it's it, 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 in some sense you feel like it's going to be formless it's going to be amorphous because you know a lot a lot of her techniques happen through um, I guess unannounced yeah. You know, so she doesn't need to follow the rules of, no. of sort of introducing things like, for example, a bird in the beginning and then have the bird burning mm. during the fire and thinking of the parrot, which we discover is the mother's favourite parrot, but only at that... At, only at the moment when that at, happens. Only at the yeah. moment that it bursts into flames. And and she never names Mr Rochester too, does she? No, no. And, and I think that that sort of... Um, that that sort of slight or that sort of conceit, why must you know sort of Bertha be um, so superfluous, mm. you know, to Jane Eyre? Why why should she be so convenient to that story? You yeah, know? because she's a convenience. She's there. She stops them from getting together, and then she dies, and they can be together. That's right. And that's her role. Yes. Um, and so even just moving that. Mm. And and sort of decentering it. Mm. Um, it, 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 it's so um, it, 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 it's so disorientating. Yeah, and I think that's the disorientation 
that I think is is is, is sort of integral to the, the thing that I like about it because she doesn't follow rules. No, she doesn't. And I love that. And, and I think this is where you know you sort of recognise genius because it does what it needs to do and makes it right. Well, I mean, even she doesn't even name Jane Eyre, really. I mean, because Jane Eyre is there in the periphery of... Or she's in the sort of margins of words, I guess, to say, as, as Bertha Mason is in the... Or Bertha Rochester is in um, in the margins of, of Jane Eyre. I mean, I think that the, the, the project that she takes on, that Reese takes on, in taking this character from Jane Eyre and turning her into Antoinette Cosway um, is, is quite genius in and of itself. Because, as you say, the entire plot and the resolution of the plot in Jane Eyre is, is basically a woman the mad woman in the attic has to has to be killed, has to has to fall off the roof or jump off the roof. The another woman has to die in order for Jane Eyre to get her happy ending. And it's very easy to read Jane Eyre and to not be aware of that, you know, um, most to people not care. to not to care. Be absolutely indifferent. Or you are absolutely rooting for that woman to die. That's I mean, right, because remember. she's just she's just this mad woman she's who's in frothing up Jane in Rochester. Exactly. She's just up there frothing in the attic. How terrible that Mr. Rochester is married to this creature. How exactly. Poor Mr. Rochester. And you're just waiting for her to be got rid of, you know, and it's because most of us encounter Jane Eyre, arguably, um, or at least I did, in as a teenager. Um, you're even more kind of swept up in the romance of the book and so kind of intent on seeing the mad woman in the attic die um, in order that Jane and, and Rochester can be free to marry, to be married. And that's such a ha- unambiguously happy ending when, when, they, when they can get married, even though he's maimed. Um, so you, you just go along with it. But what, and the, the, the genius of Reese is that she's gone, no. Why is it that one woman's happiness has to come at the expense of literally another woman's life? And why is it that her race isn't an issue here? Yeah. What is it about her status as a Creole woman that means that she can be discarded in this very casual way? And actually, as I, I teach this, this novel in my feminism unit, and as I said to my students, the only moment in which Rochester is actually criticised, I suppose, even though he does all manner of like terrible things in Jane Eyre, and when you read it as an adult... <laughs> your perspective on Mr. Rochester changes somewhat, I think. Um, the only moment in Jane Eyre where Rochester is actually criticised by Jane is when she says, it's not her fault that she's mad. You're actually being cruel to her. And that's the only moment in, in Jane Eyre where she addresses his behaviour in any kind of critical way. And it's easy to overlook that line, but it's so true, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's unconscionable to mm. think about locking an individual up mm-hmm. in the way that she's locked up, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it, 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 I mean, whatever complaint yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody has, locking someone in the attic is, no. never, is never the ne- answer. Never the answer. It's, it's, it's never the answer. And I mean, and she, Jean Reese uh, draws your attention to the fact that Mr. Rochester has seduced his governess, or at least not seduced her in the, in the sense that they've had sex but you know made her fall in love with him reciprocated that affection proposed knowing that he's married you know it's impossible and and that you know she's in a completely different and really dependent and vulnerable situation and if it ever is discovered she's ruined that's it her her social world is shattered her she would have no possibility of ever gaining a, a situation as a governess again um, and I suppose I come at this book from my kind of 18th and 19th century um, expertise, I suppose. So um, the, the social consequences of this, of, of 
her ruination, which is what would happen if she bigamously married Rochester and, you know, it was discovered afterwards, would be immense. She would be absolutely ruined. Um, and so he lets that happen. Yeah. And Look, it's only because of that last minute prevent, you know, that the, the, the wedding is prevented at the last minute that they, that Jane Eyre and, and Rochester can, can go down the path that they do where it does lead to an happy ending. But it's on the, it's, it's, it's predicated on the sacrifice of this Creole woman whose, whose sexuality and whose race are coded in all sorts of unpleasant ways. Look, I mean, I think I'm dwelling on your, um, sort of beautiful word ruination and, because for me, I think you know it, it, it's a fallen novel, yeah. and, and I think that's one of its draw cards for me. Mm. Is that there's this tremendous sense that everything that's taking place is taking place within a fallen world, yeah. And it's um, it, it's a world where ah, uh, you know, desire and 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 sexual desire are in some ways. Um, even though they're so central to the story, um, you know, whether it's Annette um, in, in many respects because of her beauty, because of her ability to dance, seducing and, and, and manage, you know, sort of finding the second husband um, because of her beauty, because mm-hmm. of her um, extraordinary, um, I guess, her, her, her ext- extraordinary movement. Mm. Um, and, and then... Oh, actually, I, I can't but mention the horror of her demise. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, those scenes where you get a glimpse into what sort of degradations are occurring to her under the care of, um, where you know, the the, um, the, the couple that the, the couple the, that look after gar- her. Yeah, that are her guardians. Yeah. Uh, are, are, are absolutely so mm. confronting, and I think this is another reason why I love the novel because there's something so fearless about the way that Reese writes um, you know that she, she there is no there is there is no nothing left to be um, you know sort of there is no doubt of the extent of the depravity of her of her situation yeah you know and and I think that um, when we see Rochester's um, Rochester actually ends up despising his own desire, doesn't he? Really? That's right. Yeah, he does. Um, and I mean, and the way that he he looks upon Antoinette as a sexual figure is all is again bound up in ideas about her race. That because she's she's white, but she's from the West Indies, so therefore she's a Creole. Um, so the way he kind of codes her as sexually kind of licentious because of her her kind of liminal status. Um, in she's not quite English. She's not black, but she's not quite English either. Uh, and so, therefore, she's kind of sexually available. Therefore, she's sexually libidinous, sexually licentious. Um, and the way that he kind of constructs her as this monstrous kind of sexual woman and hates that he desires her is so interesting to me. Um, and that terrible scene, the scene that always kind of stands out for me is that terrible scene where he actually sleeps with... Um, Emily, 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 and um, she's she can hear them. She's just behind a, um, a like a very light partition. So she's got to to hear her husband have sex with another woman, almost right in front of her. And he has the absolute power and the absolute control over her as his wife, that she has no 
method to redress it. She can't run into the room and say, you stop that now, you know, you're cheating on me. She she has to just take it. Look, it, it, it's just, it's sort of, it's like a ripple effect, isn't it? Like it, it sets up, um, because I, I think you sort of glimpse in those early, uh, you know, sort of the very early days of their marriage, you know, this, because, I mean, once again, it's sort of two people brought together mm. um, for strategic reasons. Well, she's really sold off to him. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's, he agrees to it because... he needs of, the money, yeah. He needs the money. Yeah. And yet out of this, you know, th- desire sort of almost gets them to the point where um, it becomes a match mm. in, in the sense of, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a sort of a besottedness. There's a sexual desire between the two, for sure. Absolutely. Mm. And and then for me, I think the worst um, scene is actually, and I can't remember the the, the chronology, but I'm sure it's after Amelie. Mm-hmm. There's a point where there is there's a, there's a sort of a, 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 a sex scene between Rochester and Antoinette, and I know it's after she's gone to see Christophine, I think. Yeah. With the obia and the, and the black magic, and this idea that um, you know, in in some sense, he's so repelled by his inability to resist. He's so repelled by how desirable and and how um, how much he's at the um, at the beck and call of his, his own desires mm. that he has to transfer that to the place, to the people. There's this real projection mm. of his own desires that he thinks of as sinful onto the world around him. As opposed to you know sort of that ability to sit with his own desires. Yeah, it's it's um, the fault of the place, it's the fault of the people, it's the fault of the, their kind of um, distance, both geographically and kind of socially and in, in, in class back to ways. Frigid England, yeah, where that's I can right. Start to behave myself again. Yeah, it's just this, it's just this place that is, and and because there's that sensuality of the environment, you know, it's really hot. It's um, there's like these beautiful green greenery, these luscious flowers, the water. It's a very kind of sensual environment and he's and he sort of projects his desire, as you say, onto that and onto the kind of ambiguous class and racial status of the people around him and so therefore it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. And he's a very kind of um he wipes his hands of, of his complicity in all of this, um, in a way that's really discomforting. But look, I think one of the, the the things that I love about the novel is the way that, you know, there's this there's this sort of really um, deliberate um, construction of, of that uh, sort of paradisical setting and yet it's so much a, a sort of a, 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 a garden of the fall you know mm. and the thing that I love about it is that in every moment you're just a hair's breadth away from hell Right. You know, and that for me is is just such masterful writing. And and we have we have fires. You All know, we have so places. many fires in the, you know the fire that takes out the plantation home, and then of course we know what what Bertha's or Bertha Antoinette's um, eventual fate is because we know Jane Eyre that she's going to die in a fire, oh. or set a fire, and that's the way she's going to die. So there's that beautiful image of of. Um, this beautiful plantation manor, which of course is soaked in the blood of slaves, um, burning, and we know that that motif of burning is going to come back. So there's a beautiful kind of symmetry there. Oh, it's it's actually exquisite. Is yeah, what I find it. You know, because I I think that it's it's that that's the way that sort of reading works, isn't it? It's it, mm. it's it's that you don't actually drop the ball, you hold on to them, and and so all the way through, you've got. 
um, you know, sort of this. The, the, I think part of the intensity of the beauty of um, the, the the initial, um, I guess, um, sort of paradise setting of paradise, is the fact that it's it's absolutely hemmed in on every side by doom, you know, because we know if you've read Jane Eyre, mm. you know. So the first page is all always already read in the light of what her fate is. Yeah, you know, and and then you've got that sort of slow build-up of imagery and, and you know you you look at that um sort of burning parrot and you see the phoenix you see you know sort of um the 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 the, the horrors of of hell and and you know you just um and 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 madness and and what you get is the sense that um i guess the difference between one and the other is is a hinge well i mean and it, it, it's important to remember that this novel is about jamaica just after the, the slave trade has been dissolved. So we're, we're dealing with people who have very recently been slaves. So it's it's all very well and good to kind of think about the beauty of the surroundings, and certainly you do think about the beauty of the surroundings. But you've also you're also made aware constantly that this is a slave society. And you have that um, wonderful um, prescient line from Reese where she where it, it, it actually states um, whether you call it slavery or not, it continues. That's you right. Know, she, she's under no illusion that the point at which, you know, sort of Britain, um, you know, sort of disbanded slavery, nothing changed. Yeah. You know, you, you were just working um, the, the, the sort of the same hours with the same um, sort of level of oppression, except and the it was same, no longer called yeah. slavery. And for the same people. And you know, it's not people. like you can click your fingers and then slavery goes away. And we know that because we can still see the effects of slavery play themselves out in the United States and so forth. Um, but... Here it's it's so immediately post slavery. It's it's set in the same year that's like or the year after that slavery had been abolished in Jamaica. I remember reading. Um, so, you know, this is a this is a absolutely a paradise. It's a Garden of Eden. It's this lush physical environment, but it's it's constructed on the backs of slaves. And and Reese never lets us forget that. No, and and I think we see that play out in the tensions. Um, that are that are sort of and the divisions, yeah. Because it's a divided, it's a divided people. I mean, uh, you, you know, um, and divided on so many ways. You know, not not in a straightforward black, you know, bad, white, good, or you know, any kind of simplistic way. It's divided amongst everybody, really, even the people from the other islands. You know, absolutely, because yeah. you know, uh, Christophine herself is 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 a stranger. She she was brought from Martinique to Jamaica. Yeah. Yeah. as a gift mm. to um, Annette as of, on her on her marriage yeah. she, she, she was uh, she was chattel she was property mm. um, she was property and, and I think you know Christophine is one of those uh, sort of unforgettable figures yeah. you know, one of those unforgettable characters um, on, on so many levels because in, in some sense uh, there's lots written about the way she escapes the text and you know um, the, the, the fact that uh, you, you know in, in some sense she is the most powerful figure there um, through her beer but also through her, um, her, her her status but also because I guess Reese um, gives us a character who seems to be choosing you know who seems to be choosing um, her um, her opinions. She, you know, she maintains her sense of um, contempt. She she has she sees truly. You know, she she. And she's sees. a truth teller. She tells Rochester what she, exactly what he's doing. Yeah, and and she also she addresses him um, on a level 
that is absolutely, um, I, I think, where she is in the position of power. Mm. I mean, although she's sort of entreating him on behalf of Antoinette, it's because she ultimately understands better. Yeah. She sees further. She understands better. She knows what he is. He doesn't. You know, he, he's there. He thinks, you know, he. I think as a reader you see, you see and you feel his sense of superiority. You, you feel his sense of assuredness. But what you actually see is 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 is, is, a, is, a, is a sort of a petty, limited man mm. um, in in that scene in, in in the forest, and he comes back, and he is, um, you, you know, it's one of those scenes where it's one of those moments where a particular interaction um, changes someone. You know, he he has changed. He's he's shaken in 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 his in his very core from that encounter, um, which. Uh, I mean, when you look at the the, the the relations throughout the book and the representation of relations, um, there there is the closest that we ever come to um, sort of any form of harmonious possibilities is is actually in in a sort of incestuous yeah. Um, Relationship where we sort of see Antoinette and her half brother, yeah, um, absolutely related by the same father, mm. um, and and yet in 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 some sense, the, the 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 story leads us to sort of feel as though if there was any way out, yeah. if there was any way for Antoinette to escape her um, her destiny, it was to to to. To stay with her, with Sandy, with her, with her, with her half brother. Yeah, and and it's so clever because what what kind of unites those characters apart from you know their their family bonds um, is that they both exist on the margins. You know, Antoinette exists on the margins because she's neither English nor native Jamaican. She's got this um, English heritage, but she's not of England. She's not black. She she's also hated because she's the daughter of a, of a slave owner um, and so she can never fit in anywhere so she she doesn't fit in anywhere in Jamaican society and neither does he because he's he's half blood you know he's half black he's half white and so they're both kind of these liminal figures and they both uh, are brought together because of that but of course that's no refuge at all is it you know because they are related they are um, brother and sister and and you get such a sense of, of her kind of isolation and her loneliness and the way in which she's damned all the time by her history. She's damned by the fact of her father. She's damned by her mother's madness and that kind of perception that she's tainted by her mother's madness, that, that madness is a hereditary evil that she's going to inherit. So she belongs to... Yeah. It's a suggested evil, isn't it? There's that real sense... The, the, the power of suggestion, suggestion, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, you know, she's she must be mad because her mother was mad, and so how could she not be mad? And so therefore, she's treated so appallingly by by everybody really around her that she does go mad. You know, there there is this power of suggestion and this power of of prophecy to kind of guide her fate. And but there's also the planting of the seed of doubt, isn't there? Yeah. You know, and and that was one of the sort of the, the, the sort of defining moments, wasn't it? That was that sort of marked the, the turn in in in, in Rochester's um, perception 
uh, of Antoinette, and it, it was it was it's 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 very much the serpent, isn't it? Mm. It's the serpent in the Garden of Eden, um, and and you, you know I th- I, th- I think that um, there's so much um, I, 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 without being a sort of a Christian book, it this it makes use of so many um, biblical uh, sort of motifs, and then. Those biblical motifs are absolutely um, sort of parallel and in no way, um, you know, sort of superior or more truthful than the Abia, mm. um, which is ultimately the most powerful, um, you know, sort of source of belief. Um, it's the belief that won't go away. Yeah, it's, it keeps, even though it is, it's this black magic is not condoned, I suppose. Um, and he's dealt with by with suspicion. It won't go away. No, and 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 it's actually and it is the more powerful force. Yeah, that's because right. I mean, people are afraid of Christophine. Mm. They're afraid of Christophine because of her power. Um, and you know, this is where I mean, of course, naming. Um, yeah, we the can't naming, get away from naming. No, yeah. the, the the naming of Christophine. I, I mean, she's she's a, a, a worthy. Um, she's a worthy Christ, isn't she? In, in yeah. this in this book, um, and we we do come to pin our hopes on her. That if there is hope for Antoinette, you know, it's because Christophine is, 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 is around. Yeah, is, is around. Yeah, um, and in the same way, but in this in the same sense, she was, um, you know, sort of. And I think the entanglement of um, you know, sort of the entanglement of of, of power. Um, because as much as Christophine is this powerful figure, uh, when it comes down to it, she can't save Annette. No. She can't save anyone. No. Um, and, you know, so this web, there's this sense that we're, we're caught in this web. And, and I think I remember um, reading in, in an interview with, with Jean Reese that, you know, her sense is that our um, lives are mapped out. You know, and and that and that we, we in a fatalistic kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that it, all we can do is, is is sort of see how they play out and adapt. Mm. And either you can adapt to what goes on or you can't. Well, that's um, kind of played out in the novel merely because we know, merely because we know it's what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, that this isn't a, a novel in which you wonder what's going to happen. As we said before, no. it's all about her march to her inevitable fate, which is at that moment on Thornfield Hall where she falls to her death. Um, and of course, she loses her name, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, it's so clever oh, that that names oh that names God, are such God. a of such an issue, you know. It's and it's just it's it's so beautifully done because Mr. Rochester renames her from from Antoinette to Bertha just because he can, you know. That's all he says is, "I don't like Antoinette. It's too much like Annette. So therefore, I'm going to change your name. I have absolute control over you. So you can't say anything about and it's it. That other um, aspect of, of of the history of, of, of Dominica, but it was mm. because you know that 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 vying between the French and, and, the, and the English, English yeah. you know, it wasn't going to be anybody's, and it's the French, and then the then the British come in, and and you know because they can. That's and, right. And so no, you couldn't possibly have an Antoinette. No, it sounds know, too French. It, it, it sounds, sounds too exotic. French. It sounds too you know. But then also the fact that in many respects Antoinette is the the diminutive of, of Annette, Annette yeah. which is also another diminutive, and so we just have this sort of sense of um, you know generation upon generation and 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 this 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 sort of diminution mm. um, this because you know sort of Annette 
Antoinette. Mm. You know, uh, you know, you, you sort of get this sense of a long line of women being diminished yeah, that's with right. each generation that passes. And of course, there's a nice parallel there to the slave trade. You know, the slaves came over from from um, Africa to to the West Indies. They didn't get to keep their names. They were renamed by their their owners, and they had no capacity to say that's not my name. You, you just had to accept it, and your last name was your owner's name, and your first name could be whatever they wanted it to be if you were even given a name at all. Um, so there's that, again, there's that parallel to the slave trade, to the, again, to that kind of powerlessness and voicelessness of, of these people, these women like Antoinette, like the slaves, where they just have to simply accept the identity that other people put on them and all of the kind of insinuations that go along with that identity. The reason why he doesn't like the name Antoinette is, as you say, because of its diminutive... Um, status in relation to the name Annette and because he thinks that any kind of way to sever that connection between mother and daughter is going to be good for him because he's so scared of this kind of hereditary taint of madness so it's 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 quite a beautiful way um using these names and the changing of the names to to demonstrate all sorts of things about the way in which women are regarded in the way in which race is regarded um, and in the way in which men have absolute control Look, you know, and I, I think uh, it, it was. I, I, it's, I keep coming back to it because I, I think uh, I, I keep remembering the surprise factor of finding myself positioned in the eyes of, of, of Rochester, mm. um, and you know, I, I think that we have a, we have this moment where there's 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 a shift on so many levels because time passes, you know. Um, we're seeing this world and what I think we also get is, is we get this really um, sort of fragmentary, refracted sense of what reality is and, and what relationships are and the way that um, it's the impossibility of escaping because I mean, you know, ultimately um I think that's one of the things that makes the book so powerful is that it feels as though it's 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 not possible to escape from this imperfect and um you know sort of this imperfect but also limited and distorted view of everyone and everything that's right because everyone and everything sees someone from a distorted angle which is so disturbing and everything know. is so ideologically loaded you know, every 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 identity, every person, every every kind of conversation has all of these weighted ideological kind of baggage on it. You know, the, what what Antoinette means in this world, what Rochester means in this world, what Christophine means in this world. What everything has a kind of baggage attached, as I said, that it's not everybody's not able to see each other for what they are. They see each other for for the ways in which their identity is being constructed in ways that are beyond their control. And it's sort of this notion of sort of an essential solitude and, and, and a sort of a perpetual exile, you know, that's mm. that's there from the very sort of moment of, of, of the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, that is that, that, you know, like that is the thing that I think I carry away from the book is, is the, the, the essential solitude and the perpetual exile. And you have that moment where we see the child Antoinette, um, you know, sort of watching um, her mother in this in this strangely amorous way fixate upon the brother, the younger brother, who has some unnamed, um, you know, sort of birth 
um, induced, I don't know, he was sort of crippled, yeah. he was this, we don't know the full extent, but it feels as though it's, 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 it's profound. Yeah. And, and yet everything is about him. Yeah. Right from, you, you know, everything is about, her, her blankets fall from, from her and, and you, you, you feel for that child with her, you know, disturbed in the night, alone. Um, and Jean Reese talks about her terror of, of you know, sort of a beer. She talks about her terror of the insects and the cockroaches and the things that children are afraid of in the night. And the mother has only come because she's frightened that Antoinette is going to disturb um, her younger brother. brother yeah. And, you, you know, in some sense that moment sort of in, in, encapsulates this sort of constant illusion where you know it, 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 you, it whatever happens you're always um you, you know you're always in some sense um incapacitated you're always ignored you're always um secondary you're always something lesser you know and and it's 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 so consistent throughout well, that's her ultimate fate because it's it's hard to kind of read those those scenes where she's you know stuck in her in her room being fearful, because that's where, exactly where she ends up. She ends up, you know, stuck in the attic, not knowing what's going on in a strange oh. place. She's across the world. I mean, it's hard to kind of think of a geographically more kind of distant place than this cold English mansion. I mean, it's it's opposite. It's it's the opposite of of where she's grown up in every way. Um, and she's stuck in this room by herself with only, you know, a with Grace Poole, who is this terrible kind of mad woman keeper, um, to, to kind of torment her. And so you know that she's going to end up pretty much where she started, which is isolated, exiled, um, and lonely. And there is no escape for her. So it is it is a horrendously bleak book. I think it's a beautiful book in, in the way it's constructed. But, it, um, you know, it's, it's so bleak. It's so depressing it's 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 relentless relentless. and it doesn't pull any punches it doesn't say there's any hope for her it doesn't you know open up as you say the only kind of space that where you think that something potentially could happen is is with christophine but we know that that's going to come to nothing so there is no real hope for for her we know what's going to end up happening because christine christophine can only look after herself if she looks after herself that's right and i mean even her life is so circumscribed she's you know everybody around christophine um, is fearful of her and there's rumours about her or about her practice of obeyer and all of that. So it's not as if really she provides that much of a port in the storm. It's just that she seems to be the only kind of friendly face um, and the only person who actually sees what's going on with Antoinette. But it's such a strong kind of contrast, Antoinette in the in the plantation house at the beginning versus Antoinette as Bertha stuck in the attic at the end. Yeah, and it's also the way that by... Um, I guess bringing Rochester to the forefront the way that she does um, what we also get this terrible sense of is the way that um, you know while Antoinette truly desires Rochester um, to be her one and only there's this terrible replaceability about Antoinette Mm -hmm. because she can be replaced with Amelie Mm -hmm. she can be replaced with another wife she can just be replaced all the way through, and even, and and you know, it's a, and this is this is sort of this this sort of this profound tragedy because you know, like, and it's such a, a sort of a profound counter narrative to, to romance 
which tells us that there's this love that's going to unite two people and it's going to be yeah it's going to be the one and only it's going to be perfect and and it's not any love it's not love between brother and sister it's not love between mother it's sexual Mm. marital love Mm. that's being sold as this this sort of insoluble bond um and yet what we see is that even in a, a sort of a scene of of excessive desire of sensuality you know um it, it, that that's not going to hold you together no that, that's not going to be you know sort of the, that's that's not going to perform the transformative role that um you know it's supposed to pr- perform because no you can be replaced well women in this society commodities so, so Antoinette can be bought and sold, and Christophine has been bought and sold, as we said. So if you can just buy and sell a wife, you can just buy and sell another woman. And we know that, that Rochester has this French mistress because we know um, Adele in, in Jane Eyre is his illegitimate child. So we know that there's, you know, he's stacking up the women that is, as soon as they cease to kind of be of use to him, that he moves on. Um, and that it's, it's so easy. It's so casual. He can just discard Antoinette. As I said, there's that scene where he has sex with with Emily. Well, she's there. It doesn't matter because she can be discarded. It's a really unflinching Mm. glimpse at masculinity, isn't it? In in, in that sense, a particular type of masculinity that is, you know, sort of completely um, freed from the chains of commitment. And he's all powerful. His power is absolute. He has the power to name her. He has the power to discard her. He has the power to shove her in an attic. He can do whatever he likes with her body. He can do whatever he likes with her emotions. He can do whatever he likes with her. And so he's, he doesn't feel like he needs to justify any of this. And it's terrifying. And, and, and mm. so it's, it, which, is, which is why I think that it, it's a bleak book, but it's also a sort of a defiant book because it, it's a book that says that this, you know, sort of anything that's based on this sort of power structure is terrifying, Yeah, is nightmarish. Well, is, yes, you know, sort of the, the worst that you can imagine, and that's why it's such a you know important feminist novel because it's it's giving voice to somebody who is voiceless in Jane Eyre. You know, Bertha mm. never has a voice in Jane Eyre, so it's giving the voice voice to to a voiceless female character, and it's also calling attention to exactly as you say how terrifying that kind of untrammeled power is, and when you're when you are absolutely at the mercy of that kind of power. There is literally nothing you can do, and literally nowhere you can go. You um, just have to take it. And that that and and I think, uh, you know, that that's uh, ultimately it's hell. Yeah, it, it's absolutely hell. And and I think the other thing that we glimpse is just what a, a sort of a, an ultimately mediocre sort of an individual Rochester is. Mm. You know, like you can't. I don't think you can read um, Wide Sagasso Sea. And still think of Rochester as some sort of hunk. Well, um, and it's and it and it has the power actually too to make you read Jane Eyre differently because I don't read Jane Eyre the same way now because of Wide Sagasso Sea. I can't get it out of my mind um, because then you look at Rochester and you look. Well, he's turfed one woman into the attic. He's got this illegitimate child. He's proposing to Jane um, Jane Eyre, even though he knows that he can't get married because it's illegal. Um, what is exactly what's this guy doing? Look, and, and I think this is one of the things that I absolutely adore about Wide Sagasso Sea is that it, it, it completely and utterly, you know, sort of transgresses any idea that we have. And, and it's, 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 it's an idea that does need to be, um, I think it needs to be excised. 
is that the end of a book is the end of a book yeah. as though it's a sort of a, a, a fixed and an impermeable barrier between itself and the world mm. because it's not it's such a permeable barrier isn't it because the way that you read that book is always shifting um, there is no border between it you know sort of books don't sort of form you know sort of finite entities um, you know sort of like nations that you can sort of chain off and close mm. the door on or you, you don't just shut the book and therefore it's 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 over it's no, closed it, and especially when it's got the co- kind of cultural valence that that jane Eyre has where it's you know it's transcended it's canonical yeah it's canonical it's transcended itself it's i mean there's a new jane Eyre film you know every five or so years um it's it's one of those kind of foundational stories upon which we we kind of understand we we lay a lot of our foundations there and understandings of, of romance and and the kind of the classic kind of realist novel, I suppose. Um, so the the fact that it does kind of draw attention to the kind of um, ways in which the book slips out of the boundaries of the book yeah. is is really quite brilliant. Look, and 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 I think that that's you know sort of I, I think that you, when you teach literature the, the way you and I both do, I mean, one of the things that you sort of want um, every everybody that 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 studies with you to do is is to understand you know that that books aren't um you know they're not boxes no um they're not boxes they're they're not black and white they're not um you know they're not fixed and it's really hard because i think the visual of the book suggests that suggests the box yeah that you close it you move on everything about it suggests that it's closed and it's 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 not um it's unchanging and yet the magic of, of the book is is the fact that it's never the same book twice mm. and that it's that the boundaries are you know it, it's part of something much bigger yeah. which is the practice of reading which is the practice of literature yeah. you know it, it, it's it's not they're not finite um, and closed things yeah and you can go back to Jane Eyre and find different things in it and like I said I'm unable to look at Rochester in the same way as I did when I was 15 because you know now my my kind of understanding of him has shifted thanks to Jean Rhys and and thanks to all sorts of kind of um critiques of Jane Eyre that have been existing or have come into existence in the wake of Wines like SSC so it's a book that really kind of is about reading another book yeah, it's a it's it's an intertextual book in the sense that it's fan it's, fiction, you know, at it's, its absolute fiction. best, yeah. you yeah. know, at its absolute, you know, sort of, you know, sort of best. Because the thing is that you know, I don't think that there's a single element of that book that is, um, you know, that need that can be it, uh, extracted. You know, like yeah. it, part of it is the fact that she has this way with language. Mm. You know, she has this ability to break with convention. Mm. She has the ability to do what she wants. And, and, and make it work mm. um, and I you know it, I, I, I adore I was so thrilled yeah. when you um, when we discovered our, our shared love <laughs> of, of wide Sagasso Sea um, I think that is for you listeners out there two extremely enthusiastic thumbs up absolutely that's Four. Four fingers. Four, four, four thumbs. Four thumbs. Yeah. Four thumbs. Okay, four thumb review for Wides for Against OC. Thank you, Michelle. That's about all we have time for. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, this has been another episode of From the Lighthouse. If you could rate and review us on iTunes, that would be super, super helpful. Um, please pass along any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.